Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum, so happy you're here with me today. My guest today is one of the most recognizable wrestlers of his generation. He's probably best remembered by most as Axe from the Tag Team Demolition, but even before that, great run as the Mass Superstar. It is none other than Mr. Bill Eady. Axe and Smash Demolition are appearing at 80s Wrestling Con for ISPW and Tommy Fierro in Morristown, New Jersey on Saturday, May 6th. Demolition was always one of my personal favorite tag teams when I was a kid, and Bill Eady had such a long, illustrious career. He's done so many interesting things, tons of work in Japan, tag teaming with Andre the Giant, wrestling Hulk Hogan in a movie, so this is going to be a lot of fun. So here we go with Axe, the mass superstar, Bill Eady. So honored to have one of the greatest pro wrestlers of his generation. You might know him as the Masked Superstar. You might know him as, you probably know him as Axe from Demolition, Mr. Bill Eady. Bill, I'm so happy you're joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. How are you doing today? Very good. It's my pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Uh, we'll start off with the reason we've uh, connected. You and your longtime partner, Smash, are going to be appearing together at the 80s Wrestling Con for ISPW and Tommy Fierro in Morristown, New Jersey on Saturday, May 6th. What's it like for you to hear kind of the ways that the fans connected with what you guys were doing back then? Well, it's always nice to be in an area where you can converse with the fans. I mean, and they they remind you of a lot of the things that happened that we actually forgot. And it's all humbling, too, to be remembered and uh, that you made an impression on their life. <clears throat> Excuse me. What happens when you get a bunch of veteran wrestlers like that in one room? Is it good to see some old friends and opponents and partners? Anybody? Is there anybody there that you uh, haven't seen in a while you're looking forward to? Well, there's always the guys you haven't seen for, and sometimes it's years. I know there's a couple guys on this particular convention that we're going to be at that we haven't seen for many, many years. But after a, a few minutes, you start talking. It's just like you just left the locker room 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Even if it's been like 25, 30 years exactly. or something like that. Exactly. I can't think of too many teams that had a more successful run on the highest level in front of the largest audience than demolition. Uh, you were one of my favorite tag teams growing up too. I will say that. Well, I appreciate um, that. To you, what made your partnership with Barry Darso smash work? And how did you guys complement each other? What, what made Demolition go? Well, neither one of us were selfish. We all, all both of us knew that uh, in order to have a good match, you have to put effort into it. Uh, we worked as a team, uh, studied each other's moves. But from, I, I would say actually from the third or fourth match that we had together we just uh we just clicked and uh like i said before there was no jealousy i don't think we had any harsh words in over 35 years together that's great and and it worked on both sides of the fence you guys worked very good as as the bad guys with mr fuji and then had a whole other nice run after that after the turn at the uh, at the Survivor Series in the uh, 1988, you know, I, I guess that's the next question: is how did you know what was the dynamic with Fuji like, and, and also just kind of you know portraying demolition on, on on both sides of those things. Well, we we really never. I, I think if you remember back, we never changed our style. 
we always were out there and kick butt type guys and take names and no apologies. Uh, Fuji matched our character when we first appeared with the sinister interviews and the characteristics that he had. And uh, then we had somebody to go against because he had the powers of pain and a couple other teams. So uh, we just, whether we came out of the, the good guy dressing room or the bad guy dressing room, uh, I think people realized that something good was going to happen and there was going to be some action. And I was going to ask you too, when did you first meet Barry Darso? Did you meet him prior to demolition? Yeah, I knew of Barry from uh, the Mid-Atlantic area. Okay. Uh, uh, he was a friend and worked with uh, uh, Ivan Koloff. And then we physically met before we made a decision to join up. Uh, so I went up to Charlotte. My daughter still lives there, so I went up on a a business family holiday. So was that back when he was doing the Crusher Khrushchev thing with Ivan and Nikita? He, and He had just finished. He had just decided for one reason or another, I think it was over a payoff and uh, promises that were made. Uh, he had given his notice, yes. Okay. And you mentioned before about, you know, just what the fans were able to expect from you guys. When you guys did interviews, there was never any gray area with you guys about what your motivations were. Did you have any particular approach when you were doing promos or interviews and stuff like that that worked for you in terms of expressing yourself? Because that was always such a strength for you guys, I thought. No, not really. I think that the one thing that we prided ourselves in is that our interviews were always one take. Mm. All the all those years, I mean, we never had to go and redo it and redo it and redo it. It was one take because we had our mindset, who our opponents were, where the building was located, the date. So whatever you had to have in there. But we already knew that uh, we were going to make a statement. We weren't going to make out landing statements. You're not, I'm going to break both your necks and blah, blah, blah. Because then. That stems from when I first got into business. Uh, Boris Malenko and Wahoo McDaniel and George Scott uh, gave me advice, and I listened to it. Uh, don't make any outlandish statements that you can't back up, because after a while, people are going to say, ah, oh, he's just blowing smoke. Yeah, that's interesting. And one thing I always noticed with your interviews with Demolition, too, is when Gene Okerlund, either intentionally or unintentionally, would refer to one of you as the other name, you'd turn around and call him Howard. Yeah, that so was I'd, an inside joke with us. Always enjoyed that. Yeah, it, it, it happened inadvertently on his part, and then I picked up on it, so every time, I'd, every time he'd make a mistake, and then it got to the point where he'd purposely do it. And it's funny you say that, because we go to signings and stuff, inevitably there's two or three fans that remember that. Yeah. And they liked it as well. It would be funny if somebody just at the convention just messed it up anyway and just was like, oh, so what do you think, Smash? And you're just, just call him Howard. Just, you know, right. it, hey, it may happen. <laughs> you never know. You know everybody, everybody's getting a little older. So, yeah. Um, who did you feel personally your best matches and best rivalries were with as Demolition? Well, it, it would be hard to pick out one or two. I mean, we had good matches with, I thought, everybody. We could work with the big guys, the small guys, the in-between. Uh, 
and we were fortunate because there were so many good teams at that time. You had Such a deep division, yeah. You had the Hearts, you had the Bulldogs, uh, Strike Force, then you had Andre and Haku, and uh, the Brain Busters, the Powers of Pain, the Rougeos, the Rockers. You can go on and on. I mean, that's an all-star list of talent. Yeah. Killer, killer bees. I remember you guys with too a little yep. bit. Yeah. Um, were you concerned at all when those turns were happening at Survivor Series '88? I remember so, sort of the fans being a little bit confused of, as to, okay, are the powers of pain? Which, which side are they on? Is you know, what you know? And they kind of did a. I think they did a follow up later on where the powers of pain like attacked uh, Paul Roma or somebody like that. But um, were you concerned at all with the with the double switch there? Well, I think. Barry and I have talked about it many times. I think that the, the powers that be jumped too soon. We didn't need to turn babyface at that time. But the response was people liked us. Right. But just because they cheer for you doesn't mean you have to come out of the other dressing room. Uh, and they've done that with a number of guys, not, not only just us, but uh, sometimes they... They anticipate making changes, and then I think that they wish that they didn't, but they've already made the change. So, I, I would think that there was probably a good amount of dollar signs with uh, demolition too at that point in terms of your merchandise and your look, and you know what they could make on T-shirts and action figures and stuff like that too. Well, I think that's possibly a motivation, but if people like you, they're still going to buy your items and they, and they probably were anyway so yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was it like to see the wwf machine working and moving the way that it did in the 80s you were there for i know you were there a little bit before that with the machines uh with andre too and even before that with as mass superstar i think you had a couple of uh title matches with backland and hogan if i remember yeah. right yeah. too so what was it like to kind of see the way that the business was changing just in the WWF at that time and how it kind of, you know, interacted with everything else. Well, you have to give Vince credit. I mean, it, he's, uh, he, he's very astute in, uh, marketing. He had this vision. He was going to go worldwide and he did. And, uh, no matter what you say, I mean, he's got some, some, uh, bad vibes from, from some of the fans, but for years and years and years, uh, everything he did touched the gold, right? Right. And um, were those the most successful years f for you personally uh, in terms of uh, financially at that time, if you could say? Well, it, it would be hard to say. I, I was, you know, I think you remember that I was in Japan for 14 different years. And, wow. Uh, uh I had a pretty successful run there. Uh, as far as finances, it probably would be about the same. Interesting. What was uh, for you? What was? Uh, can you give a highlight of uh, your your runs in Japan? You had was it both all Japan and New Japan at different times? No, 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 New Japan. New I Japan. had gotten I had gotten an offer to go to uh, old Japan, but New Japan office with Inoki treated me so kindly. It was. Uh, I mean, I, I was there 14 years. I could pick my tours, and I would go anywhere from four weeks to 14 weeks, all on a handshake between Inoki and myself. Wow. 
And I knew what I was going to make. I knew when I was going, when I was coming back. And uh, they treated me very good. They flew my family over to Hawaii two different times and paid for the trips. So to be offered to jump to old Japan, uh, I had, had loyalty to Ainoki. And somebody with your skills and your size must have been, you know, such a, a great addition to what they were doing there. And when you look at just the talent that they had, you know, back when you were there too, that, that must have been some unbelievable times that. <laughs> oh, some of the best memories that I have in this business are in Japan. Uh, the, the, the people are very knowledgeable uh, it's safe. I love the food. The trips were first class. Uh, the company treated their talent first class. Uh, like I said, to, to have a, a verbal contract signed by a handshake, uh, you just don't have that anymore. Right. Now, of course, when I was a kid, demolition was the best. You had an entire career as a really big star as the mass superstar before you even started doing demolition or the machines was was it a little concerning to completely change things at that point of your career or as you said before you always kind of looking for the ways to move forward and, and kind of advance yourself well i i looked at it as an opportunity because i also knew that if if uh the character demolition didn't pan out i could always return to mass superstar because no one had any reference point as far as facial features. So I also knew that I could pick up the phone and I'd be in Japan probably the next week. It's interesting you mentioned about the facial features too. You sounded so much different as Axe and Mass Superstar too. You were able to definitely change the, right. you know, a lot of the way that you appeared to where you know people really weren't, you know, you'd have to be looking for it pretty hard to probably pick up on it. Right. What did you like best about uh, the Mass Superstar persona for yourself? Well, I had privacy, uh, which I didn't have as demolition, but I wasn't. We weren't as bugged as much as like Hogan or Savage or some of the guys. We still had, and if we kept our distance in the airports from Fuji, a lot of times we could walk right by people. They would maybe turn and give us an eye and then turned back because they were looking for Hogan and Savage and, you know, the other guys like that. So I felt sorry for them sometimes, but I was glad that they were around because they were getting barraged by autograph seekers and we weren't. Right. And maybe you would want to stay away from Fuji, you know, some of his practical jokes and stuff <laughs> yeah. anyway, when you, when you're traveling. Um, what kind of creative process went into the whole look with the gear and the leather and the paint and stuff like that? You're somebody who seems to care a lot about those kinds of details with your, with your different personas. Well, uh, we tweaked it a little bit. Uh, Randy Colley who came up with the basic idea. Uh, and he would, at one time was wanting to wear a, a sort of a mask with fur boots and things. It took about six weeks for us to get it down. And then we decided on the paint and the exterior mask. And uh, uh, we took a little bit from uh, the movie. Uh, I forget which one it was. Uh, when it was an Australia movie. Uh, Blade Runner? 
No, not, not Blade, Blade Runner. That, that was a different tag team at the time. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, I'll think of it later. Mad but Max is what we're Mad getting Max. from my producer right now. Thank you. Yeah, Mad Max. We took a little bit from there. I think anything that's uh, successful, you're going to borrow from. It's, it's a form of flattery. So it, uh, people, of course, accused us of stealing the Legion of Doom or the Road Warrior gimmick, and, and we really didn't. Uh, and we got compared to them. But later on, I think people realized that our working style and in-ring style and, of course, interviews and things like that was completely different. And, of course, they were friends of ours. And, you know, we weren't stepping on their toes and they weren't stepping on ours. And then eventually you were able to do business with both them and with the powers of pain at different times. Oh, yeah. In the run, yeah. too. So I'm sure that was pretty satisfactory. Well, powers of pain were good guys. We just saw them. Uh, about two weekends ago at another signing and it's always nice to to, to meet your friends and chat and catch up on old times and uh anything in terms of the paint when you were kind of determining what that was going to look like again to separate yourselves kind of from everybody else well we had to experiment on that so it took a process of probably uh, multiple shows before we felt com comfortable and we would change it uh, Barry had a more consistent design and I changed mine up depending on uh, sometimes time that we had mm. and sometimes feeling that I had but uh, we both settled down and, and, and felt more comfortable with putting the paint on they had uh, makeup artists do it the first couple times but my goodness just to sit there for an hour and then after you learned it, uh, how to do it, and of course they weren't going to follow you around. They weren't going to be in every town, so you had to learn. Right. And, and you're someone who knows better than most, but how important is it for wrestlers to protect their own intellectual property? Well, I think it's very important, and I learned that in the early stages when I was uh, uh, with the Masked Superstar. You know, I used to watch guys that had masks on, and they'd they want to be noticed, so they wrestle with the mask, and then they put the mask in their back pocket, but they'd live, leave a little portion of it hanging out, and they'd walk around the arena, and somebody would say, oh, that's so-and-so. That's the, the mask uh, flash or whatever it is. So they wanted to be recognized. Well, the other opposite way is I felt, and, and I learned the mask is part of you. And if people know who you look, what you look like, then the mystique's gone. You're not gonna, you're not gonna earn any more money. So I protected it. And then in terms of you, uh, I know there were various cases where you know you you were owning the demolition gimmick and and really fought for that and right. fought for the starting it up like that. And I've seen a lot of other things lately in wrestling where guys who own specific trademarks, even if the WWE is going after them you know, are, are standing up for themselves and saying, Hey, you know what? I've, I've owned that. I've been paying for that for 15 years. Oh Back yeah. Off. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So it, it's really just protecting what your own investment is into yourself. Right. I mean, well, I mean, I have the property rights to it until two days after I've passed. My wife got upset with me. She said, why wouldn't you hold on to it longer? Nice. Said, Honey, I, I'm not going to use it. after that." <laughs> Um, 
Is there a time in your career that you feel was best for your own creativity or, and, and, and also perhaps one where you let, really liked what you were doing in the ring? And did those ever kind of like line up? Well, I, I really enjoyed both characters. I enjoyed the demolition because, excuse me, uh, my power's going down. Uh, because I had a tag partner and uh, the longevity was you know, potentially longer. But I really enjoyed the mass Superstar, like I said, for the privacy. And that was one of my original uh, uh ventures in positivity in the business. And, and you were linked with Andre the Giant at various times in your career. I believe you right. faced him as mass superstar. It might have even body slammed him if I if I if I read that correctly. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think I was the first. I think Andre used to tell stories where uh I don't know if you remember Don Leo Jonathan or the fans do. I think that he was the first one. But years ago uh, and you weren't going to slam him unless he wanted you to slam him. But still yet, lifting up 500 pounds was a, a chore. So I was fortunate. I think that he respected me, and we were good friends. He was a good friend of my family, my daughters, and especially my wife. They would converse when he was in England making the movie Princess Bride. He'd call once a week and just to check in, see how everything was going. So He's godfather to my daughters, and uh, I, I miss him. He died way, way too soon. Wow, that's something. And and I know you tagged with him in the machines, I think, in Japan, too. And then you had the huge WrestleMania moment against him, yep. you know, versus him and Haku in front of 60,000 people in uh, Toronto, yep. too. So constantly. We were, we were tag partners and tag opponents and individual opponents in Japan, too. Wow, I got I to I gotta go back and check some of that out from uh, from the New Japan archive to, to see some of that stuff. Um, how did you wrestling Hulk Hogan in a movie come about exactly? Well, it was originally going to be Barry. Really? Uh, and uh, a couple days later, I, I liked the idea that it was going to be Barry because that meant that it was going to be two days off and I was going to have two extra days off. A couple days later, I find out, and uh, it's going to be me. So Barry is happy with the fact it's going to be me because now he's got two days off. So it was, uh, I think it was a call by uh, Hogan because we had had previous single matches. It wasn't anything against Barry, but I think he felt more comfortable at that time. And Barry would have done just as well, so. And it's interesting, too, because of the different changes in your look, I don't think a lot of people realize that that character in the beginning of that movie was you, you know, when they look at an axe or they look at the best superstar, because you look totally different in that, too. Oh, yeah. My my parents went to the one of the screenings in Pittsburgh, where I'm from, and uh, they watched the movie. Of course, it's in the beginning of the movie. They sat through the movie, and my dad or mother said, I don't think they had Bill in the movie. They must have taken him out. So they're they're reading the the credits, and there's my name. So they sat through the next person to see me because they said I didn't recognize you. 
Wow, that's when you can when you pull that one over on your own parents. That's, <laughs> that's a right. that's a pretty good feat. Uh, it, shows, right. it shows the ways that you were able to protect all of your characters at all times that you could yeah. uh, you could get that done. Uh, well, we're going to move on to something we call the three count. Now it's going to be three uh, relatively quick questions and your answers. Uh, who haven't you wrestled in your career? Who you would have liked to? You had a, a you know a forty plus year career. Is there anybody that stands out to you that, you know, I never got a chance to be in the ring with that guy? Uh, not really. I couldn't really think of anybody that, that would stand out. I mean, I had an opportunity to work with all the top guys in, in my era. I mean, from Harley Race to Flair to Mulligan to Andre to Inoki to Fujinami to European guys. So, no. That, that's a, a, a tremendous list. Um, second question, is there anybody, since you had such a long career, both at the beginning and towards the, the latter part of your career, is there anybody from your career who people might be surprised to learn that you faced? Oh, boy. Uh, with the advent of all the Internet stuff now, I don't really, I don't really believe that there's much out there that uh, – they don't, the fans don't know, to be honest with you. Sometimes when we get baffled, uh, it's like Q&A sessions at the conventions and things. Uh, I will ask the fans, and they'll always come up with an answer. Interesting. Who, who, do you, who was like the first big star that you, know, you stepped into the ring with as, as a young man? Oh, my first match on my own was Eric DeRed. Interesting. I don't, if, I don't know if fans remember him. Yeah, it was uh, not supposed to be me. Uh, I was still in training, and it was in the Pittsburgh Civic Arena, and Guido Mongo, who broke a, broke me in, and Larry Sabisco, told us to bring our bags. And Gorilla Monsoon was supposed to be his opponent, but he it was a snowstorm and he couldn't make it. The airport was closed, so they called my name out, and I go into the into the locker room, and boom! Pretty soon, I'm in the ring. So out of the frying pan into the fire, right from yep. the very, very beginning, even. Yeah. Uh, that's great. And uh, last question, other than Smash, who was your favorite tag team partner? My wife. That's I'll a great to, answer. I'll have to say that because she raised my girls. And uh, when I was on the road and seeing things, and uh, I often have to give her all the credit for all the success for their development and then – the positive lifestyle that they have. Is there anybody in the ring that you could give as a, as another, as, as an actual uh, tag team partner though? Uh, Bill Irwin was good. Uh, he and I had a, a successful run at, uh, in, uh, in Georgia territory. Uh, of course, Paul Jones was a good partner in the mid Atlantic area. Uh, Dick Murdoch in Japan, so I've had I've had a lot of good partners. Yeah, and and they've had a good one too in you. That's that's for sure. Well, uh, Bill Edie, once again, we'll go back '80s Wrestling Con for ISPW in Morristown, New Jersey, Saturday, May sixth. If people want to get the information, it's on the ISPW website, and we can link to it here. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a, a real pleasure to have you on. Oh, it's my pleasure, and I want everybody to to check it out because uh, Tommy does a great job. That's one of our favorite conventions and uh, I, it's fan friendly. Uh, people are going to really enjoy the presentation 
very professional. And uh, also, I think, if if normal, they have matches in the evening, correct? Yeah, I was able to go last year. Uh, my friends, the Now, were the winners of the Demolition Cup last year, and they were very excited, uh, you know, to be uh, yeah. be with you guys also. So, uh, I was just texting with one of them earlier on today, letting him know, and he was sending me all the photos from last year. So, uh, very good. So, yeah, there is a wrestling card uh, also in the in the Marstown, uh, New Jersey, in the in the rink there uh, that they do the show at. So, uh, again, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, all the best to you. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining me today on Under the Rain Pro Wrestling Conversations. I'd like to thank Bill Eady for joining me today. I'd also like to thank Tommy Fierro from ISPW and also the photographer George Tejinos for, for his images as well. And uh, Tommy for helping set this up. Check my Twitter at Under the Ring for news about our next guest. And have a great week, everyone.